Today, we are talking about the Bill of Rights. Our guest host is Ben Quine, our curriculum director and our director of strategic ministry partners. Uh, ben has developed an incredible course on biblical justice. Um, it's an eight-hour course on what the Bible has to say about justice, not what our modern culture says about justice. Uh, you need to check that out on our classes page. But today, Ben is continuing this series as we talk through our founding documents, specifically as it relates to the Bill of Rights. Now, the founders knew that we needed more than just the basic Constitution. We need a Bill of Rights to really define what our rights are and really the rights that come from our Creator, God. Ben's going to get into that uh, extensively in this series and specifically today as he discusses the Bill of Rights. Um, but again, he's going to read it. He's going to teach us about it. And these are important things for us to understand right now. These are not boring things. These are critical for us as Americans. If the founders did nothing else, they empowered us as citizens to make a difference in our land. It's we, the people of the United States, that carry the burden to make sure that these United States maintain freedom and have a solid foundation for generations to come. It's our responsibility, friends, as citizens of the United States. And Ben's going to teach us today what our Bill of Rights is all about. Listen, learn, be inspired, and let's go out there and be leaders in our communities. Welcome to the Conversations with Christians Engaged podcast. I'm your host, Bunny Pounds, the president of Christians Engaged. This ministry exists to awaken, motivate, educate, and empower ordinary believers in Jesus Christ to do three things. To pray for our elected officials and our nation regularly. To vote in every election to impact our culture and to engage in some form of civic education or involvement for the well-being of our nation. So thankful, Bunny, for what you do. A lot of people talk the talk, but you really walk the walk. I love it, love it. Love teaming up with you, Bunny. So excited about what you're doing and the people you're reaching. And And I will stand and lock arms with this woman of God, Bunny Pounds, any day of the week. Bunny, you are a new hero of mine. America is worth it. Now is the time. America needs your involvement. Please take our pledge to pray, vote, and engage. Join with a movement of other Christians that are doing these three simple things that can really impact this nation. Join us. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad to be here with you today on Conversations with Christians Engaged our weekly video podcast where we talk about the important issues facing our country from a biblical perspective. My name is Ben Quine, and I'm so glad that you have joined us today. Please take a minute and like the video. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our channel and then share this video with your friends and on your social media. Be sure to check out all of our great resources, our pledge, and our classes at christiansengaged.org. I know they will be a blessing to you and your family. We're in the middle of our series on the founding documents of our country, the Declaration of Independence, which defines the dream and ideals for our nation, the Constitution of the United States, which establishes the structures of how our government works, and the Bill of Rights, which outlines the basic rights of every individual on which the government may not infringe. 
We are so blessed to live in the United States of America, and we're absolutely blessed to have these documents as the law of our land. If you love freedom, if you support diversity and the rights of minorities, if you're a fan of women being able to vote, if you're in favor of lifting people out of poverty, if you promote freedom of speech and religion, and if you're grateful that slavery has been ended, then you owe our Founding Fathers eternal, undying gratitude and honor. We all owe this rather small collection of men the highest praise. They were not perfect, but it was their wisdom and sacrifice that made all these things possible. Today we get to look at the Bill of Rights and the other amendments. Let's begin. Amendment 1. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble, and to petition the government for redress of grievances. In Matthew 10.14, Jesus instructed his disciples to leave the town if their message of truth was rejected. He said, If anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. And 1 Timothy 1.5 teaches us that the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. What we see is that the teachings of Jesus and the apostles hold that love and faith should flow from sincerely held beliefs, never from coercion. This principle leads to the precepts of freedom of religion, freedom of conscience, and freedom from coercion. That's why freedom of religion is the first God-given right to protect. Government is never to establish a state religion like the Church of England, and it is never to prohibit the free exercise of your religion. The accounts in Daniel chapter 3 of the fiery furnace and Daniel chapter 6 of the lion's den show us the importance of protecting people from a state religion, which always becomes coercive. The examples of the prophets, like Elijah in 1 Kings 21 and John the Baptist in Matthew 14, show us clearly the importance of believers standing up with the truth of God's word. That's why freedom of speech and freedom to peacefully assemble and freedom to petition the government are so important. Christians are often the final check against an out-of-control government. Amendment 2. A well-regulated militia, being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, shall not be infringed. The right to self-defense is a well-documented biblical principle. In Exodus 22, verses 2 and 3, it talks about a homeowner's right to protect their home at night. Genesis chapter 14 has an amazing story about the time Abram took his private security force. He had 318 men that were born and armed and trained in his own household. He took that contingent, he took that security detail, a mini army, and he went out to defeat the armies of four kings who had kidnapped his nephew Lot. On his way home, he was then blessed by one of the greatest figures of the Bible, King Melchizedek. And in spite of what you may have heard, the Second Amendment has nothing to do with keeping firearms for hunting. 
it was designed purely to arm the citizenry against a corrupted government. Less like Britain under King George, the government should become oppressive and tyrannical. Tyrannical governments love unarmed peasants. The founders knew that an armed citizenry would make better soldiers and would be much more difficult to oppress. So they wanted every American to be well-armed. Alexander Hamilton said, quote, when a government betrays the people by amassing too much power and becoming tyrannical, the people have no choice but to exercise their original right of self-defense to fight the government. Amendment 3. No soldier shall, in time of peace, be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. You are the owner of your home. The government may not take it for the military's use without your permission. Amendment 4. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. And no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Amendments 3 and 4 outline the right to private property. The government may not seize your property on impulse. It belongs to you. Amendment 5. No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia, when in actual service in time of war or public danger. Nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. Amendment 6. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law and be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. The Fifth and Sixth Amendments institute many biblical principles found in the Law of Moses and in the trials of Jesus and Paul, including the right to a speedy, public, and fair trial, the right to present a defense, the right to not self-incriminate, the right to hear the charges against you, the right to face one's accusers, and the right to remain silent. Take some time and read the account of Paul's arrest, and trials in Acts chapters 21 to 26. Then take a look at Matthew 27, 14 and John 7, 50 and 51. You will recognize why these rights are so important and why the founders included them in the Constitution. Many of these biblical judicial practices were abandoned during the millennia known as the Dark Ages. 
replaced with reprehensible practices in the courts of the Inquisition and later the modified Admiralty Courts, Court of High Commission, and Court of Star Chamber. In those courts, the same individual served as judge, prosecutor, and jury with no check and balance. A charged individual was always assumed to be guilty. Any person could be charged with a crime without his accuser being known. Those making the accusations were kept secret and hearsay evidence was accepted. Confronting the accuser was not permitted and attorneys were not allowed to offer a defense. An individual could not only be compelled to give testimony against himself, but torture was also permissible to obtain that confession. That's from an article called Our Biblical Right to Confrontation from the Founder's Bible. Amendment 7. In suits at common law, where the value in controversy shall exceed $20, the right of trial by jury shall be preserved, and no fact tried by a jury shall be otherwise re-examined in any court of the United States than according to the rules of the common law. Amendment 8. Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. Government is tasked by God with enacting justice. It may never engage in torture. Amendment 9. The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Unlike the list of powers given to the government, this list contains only a few of the people's rights, not a comprehensive list. The government has no powers other than those enumerated, but the people have more rights than are enumerated. Amendment 10. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. If any power is not specifically given to the federal government, then it belongs to the states, or to the people. The final amendments, numbers 11 through 27, were added after the Bill of Rights. We read Amendment 11 with Article 3, and Amendment 12 with Article 2. So let's look at Amendment 13 now. Section 1. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States, or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Amendment 14. Section 1. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. We read section 2 with article 1, so now we'll read section 3. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress, or elector of president and vice president, or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States, 
or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each House, remove such a disability. Section 4. The validity of the public debt of the United States, authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion, shall not be questioned. But neither the United States nor any state shall assume or pay any debt or obligation incurred in aid of insurrection or rebellion against the United States, or any claim for the loss or emancipation of any slave, but all such debts, obligation, and claims shall be held illegal and void. Section 5. The Congress shall have power to enforce, by appropriate legislation, the provisions of this article. Amendment 15. Section 1. The right of the citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. The Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Amendments 13, 14, and 15 were passed after the Civil War and sought to permanently ensure the abolition of slavery, the equal treatment of all people under the law, and the rights of Americans of all colors to vote. Amendments 13, 14, 15, 16, 18, 19, 23, 24, and 26 all include some variation of the phrase, Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation, because those powers were not enumerated in Article 1, Section 8. Amendment 16. The Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived without apportionment among the several states and without regard to any census or enumeration. Amendment 16 authorized Congress to collect income tax. The Constitution originally insisted that all direct federal taxes be apportioned or divided equally among the states by population, so that states with equal population would have to pay an equal amount in any federal tax. This amendment removed that requirement, and federal income tax became the means for the greatest increase in government size, power, and control since the founding. We read Amendment 17 with Article 1. Uh, after 1913 and the 17th Amendment, senators would be elected directly by the people. Amendment 18, Section 1. After one year from the ratification of this article, the manufacture, sale, or transportation of intoxicating liquors within, the importation thereof into, or the exportation thereof from the United States, and all territory subject to the jurisdiction thereof for beverage purposes, is hereby prohibited. Section 2. The Congress and the several states shall have concurrent power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Section 3. This article shall be inoperative unless it shall have been ratified as an amendment to the Constitution by the legislatures of the several states 
as provided in the Constitution within seven years from the date of the submission hereof to the states by the Congress. Prohibition made the manufacture, sale, and even the transportation of alcohol illegal all across the USA from 1919 to 1933, when it was repealed by the 21st Amendment. This crime-ridden period of American history illustrates clearly the futility of attempting to control people's behavior by imposing laws which ban activities that a society is determined to embrace. Outlawing alcohol was an oppressive law which paradoxically created more outlaws instead of making the people virtuous. That's because true virtue and morality are only reached through the heart change that comes from the gospel and God's Holy Spirit. Not education, not force, not laws, not social pressure or manipulation. Amendment 19. The right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. In 1920, the 19th Amendment prohibited any state from denying women the right to vote. The 20th Amendment deals with the details of presidential terms. Section 1. The terms of the President and Vice President shall end at noon on the 20th day of January, and the terms of Senators and Representatives at noon on the 3rd day of January, of the years in which such terms would have ended if this article had not been ratified and the terms of their successors shall then begin. We read section two with article one and section three with article two. Section four, the Congress may by law provide for the case of the death of any of the persons from whom the House of Representatives may choose a president whenever the right of choice shall have devolved upon them. And for the case of the death of any of the persons from whom the Senate may choose a vice president, whenever the right of choice shall have devolved upon them. Section 5. Sections 1 and 2 shall take effect on the 15th day of October following the ratification of this article. Section 6. This article shall be inoperative unless it shall have been ratified as an amendment to the Constitution by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states within seven years from the date of its submission. Amendment 21 is the repeal of Prohibition. Amendment 21, Section 1. The 18th Article of Amendment to the Constitution of the United States is hereby repealed. Section 2. The transportation or importation into any state, territory, or possession of the United States for delivery or use therein of intoxicating liquors in violation of the laws thereof is hereby prohibited. Section 3. This article shall be inoperative unless it shall have been ratified as an amendment to the Constitution by conventions in the several states, as provided in the Constitution within seven years from the date of the submission hereof to the states by the Congress. Amendment 22 also covers presidential term limits. Amendment 22, Section 1. No person shall be elected to the office of the President more than twice, and no person who has held the office of president or acted as president for more than two years of a term 
to which some other person was elected president shall be elected to the office of the president more than once. But this article shall not apply to any person holding the office of president when this article was proposed by the Congress, and shall not prevent any person who may be holding the office of president or acting as president during the term within which this article becomes operative from holding the office of president or acting as president during the remainder of such term. Section 2. This article shall be inoperative unless it shall have been ratified as an amendment to the Constitution by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states within seven years from the date of its submission to the states by the Congress. Amendment 23 authorizes electoral college votes for Washington, D.C. Amendment 23, Section 1. The district constituting the seat of government of the United States shall appoint in such manner as the Congress may direct a number of electors of president and vice president equal to the whole number of senators and representatives in Congress to which the district would be entitled if it were a state, but in no event more than the least populous state. They shall be in addition to those appointed by the states, but they shall be considered for the purposes of the election of president and vice president to be electors appointed by a state, and they shall meet in the district and perform such duties as provided by the twelfth article of amendment. Section 2. Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Amendment 24 prohibits poll taxes from limiting voting access. A poll tax, also called a census tax, head tax, or capitation, is a tax that every adult must pay, regardless of income. Amendment 24, Section 1. The right of citizens of the United States to vote in any primary or other election for president or vice president, for electors for president or vice president, or for senator or representative in Congress, shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state by reason of failure to pay any poll tax or other tax. Section 2. The Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Amendment 25 deals with presidential succession, and we read it with Article 2. We read Amendment 26, which lowered the voting age to 18 with Article 1. Finally, Amendment 27 requires pay changes for Congress to take effect only after the next election. Amendment 27. No law varying the compensation for the services of the senators and representatives shall take effect until an election of representatives shall have intervened. And that's the end of the amendments. We've made it through the Declaration, the Constitution, and the amendments. There is so much more to say about these documents, so I hope these videos will be a springboard that launches you into further study. America's founders were truly brilliant and innovative. They creatively implemented biblical principles in every area of their new government, designing a system where the government is limited by law and where God's law could serve as the ultimate authority without forcing citizens into membership in a particular church. Meanwhile, the church was free to influence the state without fear of oppression by the state. Of course, that's the very opposite of the modern concept of separation of church and state, which is nowhere to be found in our governing documents.
The United States has not been perfect, but our country has brought more freedom, more liberty, and more prosperity to its citizens and other people around the globe than any other nation on earth. It has also sent out more missionaries to share the gospel of Jesus Christ around the earth than any other nation. Now, more than ever, we must work to defend our country and our constitution and to protect them for future generations. We must champion the biblical concept of limited government. Our goal is not to gain political power for Christians. Our goal is not to gain political power for the church. Instead, our aim should be to reduce the size, scope, and power of the government to what the Constitution prescribes and to return freedom to the people. But with freedom comes responsibility. We have to remember what John Adams said. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. That's because freedom won't make people do what is right any more than using laws can. True virtue and morality are only reached through the heart change which comes from the gospel and God's Holy Spirit. Not education, not force, not laws, not social pressure or manipulation. These days, it's easy to become discouraged by the state of our country. It's easy to lose hope. But I want you to be encouraged. God is still in control. We are in His hands, not in the hands of America's enemies. Remember that the sermons of the churches in the 1760s led to a worldview shift and revival that brought about the Declaration and Freedom. We are in that same position today, and it begins with you. Today, the church and individual believers like you are once again the answer our country needs to counter tyranny in our time. So be diligent to study our government and to teach others about God's principles, and then to vote for godly leaders who will fight for and preserve the biblical principles of our founding. Encourage Christians to run for every level of office and continually pray for our leaders and our country. If you'd like to study this topic more, consider working through our Biblical Justice course. It's on our website at christiansengage.org classes. And I know it will be a great blessing to you to, as we really dig deeply into Scripture for the biblical principles of justice and apply them to our culture. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we lift up our country right now. Lord, we are grieved and burdened for the many ways that we have turned against you, for the many ways we have departed from our laws and our constitution. Lord, we pray that individuals' God-given rights would be upheld by our government, that the government would never restrict freedom of speech or religion, that it would never restrict the press or the freedom to bear arms, and that all attempts to limit those freedoms would fail. Father, we, we pray that we would return to the founding principles that we have seen in these documents. Lord, thank you for the amendment process. We pray that our leaders would honor the Constitution as written and that any needed changes would be done openly and in integrity. Father, we pray that you would raise up godly leaders in the legislative, executive, and judicial branches who would put you first in their lives 
and seek true biblical justice. And again, Father, we pray for the church in America that we would obey your command to seek justice and that we would do the loving thing and engage in our government, that we would vote for godly leaders and, Lord, that in your mercy you would raise up a generation of leaders like Daniel and Esther who would stand strong for you and your truth no matter what the cost. Lord, we pray there would be a great revival in our land and that people would return to you and your word. Lord, transform us from the inside out so that we can do what is right. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't put your faith in men. Don't put your faith in the government. Do put your faith in the Lord. Thank you for joining me. I'd love to hear what you thought about this video, so please leave us comments. Uh, share this video and subscribe. Be sure to join us next time as we have an incredible conversation with Cynthia Dunbar on the Constitution and our founding. You won't want to miss it. Thanks again for joining me. And remember, God's Word has the answers for life. Thank you so much for joining us for this incredible podcast. What in the time we've had. We love you so much. We love being in your life. Have you subscribed? Have you shared this with your family and friends? Please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Rumble, wherever you get your audio or video pods. We need your help. This mission is undergirded by individuals just like you that support this ministry monthly, annually, and whenever you think about us to be able to reach over a million Christians in the next two years. That's our goal. We want to empower a million Christians around America to pray, vote, and engage regularly. Will you help us? We're here to do that, and we need your help. I want to say thank you to our partners at The Stream. What an incredible online publication put out by James Robinson and Life Outreach International as we come together across denominational lines as believers to discern what God's saying about the news of the day and to hear from different viewpoints. Check out the stream, make it your homepage, and get on their email list. This product is amazing. Also, our partners at Edify app, put out by Christian Post. This podcast app is a convergence of Bible teachers around America. We're excited to be a part of Edify app check out all their other podcasts. Thank you so much again for caring about this nation. We're here to help you pray, vote, and engage. We'll see you next week.